Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Tuesday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. And we have a special guest with us. Jeff Svoboda of BlueJackets.com is with us. Bodes, welcome aboard. It's great to be back. And welcome back, yes. Um, Blue Jackets, a little bit of news. Uh, trickled Nothing like last week when Bill Zito went to Florida uh, and Paul McLean was not renewed, but a couple of interesting tidbits today. Um, well, actually yesterday as well, Emil Bemstrom has agreed uh, to start the season in Helsinki. Had that yesterday. Uh, news today that others are following. Um, Alexander Texier will go back to his Calpa team. And Veni Vevalainen is off to JYP. I think I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Javaskala. Yes. Yes, easy to say. Um, <laughs> Thank God the you're here, with- Jeff. Thank God. <laughs> yes. That's why you're on the program. Thanks for coming, Jeff. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I made um, a point of asking him this early in the season so I could have this knowledge in case it came up. So Perfect. Perfect. So, and and just to reiterate, these are all contracts that are signed with, with North American out clauses. So within one week of training camp here being over, uh, those players can come back. They do not need to clear waivers as you they would normally would. Um, uh, re-entry NHL waivers, that is. Uh, it's all different because, of course, the pandemic that's that's uh, changed everything. The league hopes to start December 1st. Hopes, I say, uh, no guarantees with that. It will be it will be interesting to see where that goes. But now these guys have a place to play uh, until the league starts again. So and I think you should expect some more of those, although, as Yarmo Kekalainen said just yesterday, spaces are filling up pretty quickly. So, I mean, these teams can't just take everybody. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who else goes, if anybody. So far, no huge names. He mentioned he wants guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois to do it. And I don't see that with the guy with a with a with a contract um, that that is expiring RFA. So, but we'll we'll monitor that as as we move along here. Uh, it is NHL Awards Week, sort of. The league is starting to announce on a nightly basis uh, winners of the of the uh, regular season awards. And so far they've done the King Clancy. They've done the Bill Masterton trophy last night. Matt Dumba of Minnesota won the King Clancy, Bobby Ryan of Ottawa, uh, the Bill Masterton trophy tonight. They will announce the Willie O'Ree community hero award. And this actually has a lot of interest in Columbus, Ohio, because John Hofferman, who found co-founded and has been a driving force with the Columbus ice hockey club is up for that award. That's a huge award. Um, you guys both know Hoff a little bit, know his work, certainly. Your thoughts just on on the man. I Look, just him being nominated for this is a tremendous award and recognition um, that is, I, I think, long overdue. We have a story on our website this morning about him. Um, your thoughts on this, on him, and, and what this means to Columbus should he win. Allison, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, going back to my very first days covering this organization, John has just been a stalwart part of of growing hockey um, in the places where it can't usually find a foothold. And the stuff he does, whether it's going to a community center and finding a way to play floor hockey, putting sticks in the hands of kids who might not otherwise see it, 
fostering the growth of the game in non-traditional communities such that, you know, we see these players now playing at the college level um, and, and a heart of gold. Uh, John has always been available to to do anything I've needed um, to connect me with people. He's in every, like, he's in everything. He's in sled hockey. He's all over the place. And everything. You, you can't talk about um, youth hockey and hockey in non-traditional and underprivileged communities in Columbus without having someone mention John, refer you to John or praise John. And whether or not he wins this, um, he deserves a ton of credit for the selfless, selfless, absent of ego work that he has done tirelessly for, for far more years than I think most of us could, could contribute to. Yeah. He's one of those guys that, that he, I mean, he is a doer. He may be the, the, the big wig with CAIHC, but his sleeves are always rolled up. His fingernails are always dirty. I mean that uh, figuratively, he is a, an endless doer. I just love the kid. The guy grew up, said he was like 10 years old before he realized that, Having 18 kids in your house is not unusual, or is unusual. Um, it's how he was raised, and and he has been giving his entire life. It would be great tonight, Jeff Sabota, to see him so recognized by the league. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's one of those guys that you know I did a similar story for BlueJackets.com. Uh, uh, you know, you know, read Porty certainly, but uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously with this award coming up, uh, you know, you you talk to people around John, and just you can't find anybody with a bad word to say about the guy and that right. just goes to show how earnest and how um you know the you, sometimes people are in these positions and they do the work and there's something in it for them just as much as there is yep. for you know the the things that they're doing and the, we talk to people about john and he is the exact opposite of that he, everything he does is for the kids everything he does is to grow the game you know everything he does is to help people uh, become better people, and so uh, it would be really great to see him win the honor. I, if you look at the qualifications for the award, I would ha- be hard pressed to find anybody uh, who seems to embody the spirit of it more than John. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sure the people who are in the uh, other markets and know the other p- finalists would probably say the same thing about them. So either way, him even being in the discussion, I think, has really shown a very positive light both on him and the Columbus Ice Hockey Club. And as we get into, you know, we're, we're coming up on 20 seasons of Blue Jackets hockey here, and you think about the growth of the sport here in this city in so many ways over the last two decades. Uh, you know, John's at the forefront of a lot of it and, and doing it in a way differently than a lot of people. Uh, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for that, and it's something uh, that it, it, at the very least, the fact that he's gotten, you know, such a spotlight for this whole thing is well-deserved, uh, and hopefully it'll continue to help that, that group grow and help that club grow and, and get, you know, help it uh, achieve even more. Uh, they started to do so many different things with scholarships, and uh, you mentioned kind of the adaptive hockey and, and so many things that they do that are just not just hockey. Uh, and to see it kind of, you know, saves that spotlight on it, it's been really cool. And uh, hopefully, like I say, it just continues to grow. One thing I loved about talking to, I always love talking to Willie O'Ree, but the cool, the thing that blew me away was like Willie O'Ree, and you guys have met Willie O'Ree. You remember when you first meet Willie O'Ree, right? It's hard to not. We, you're around players all the time, but when you stand next to a Willie O'Ree and you, you know the history behind this person, you go, wow. Like it kind of catches your breath a little bit the first time. And and what blew me away was Willie O'Ree remembering when he met John Hofferman for the first time. And you go, now that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, it tells you how people, even really, really national and important people like Willie O'Ree view uh, this local guy who is a grassroots 
legend, and hopefully we'll get some get some national love tonight. What we wanted to do with this program today is go award by award uh, throughout the league and not just talk about the award and who might win it across the league this year, the finalists this year, but who you would give the award to in Columbus. So Hofferman, of course, gets our vote for the Willie O'Ree. But let's move on to the other awards. And and there's some that require a um, a little bit of a wrinkle just to make them conversational. We're going to do that right with the first one here, Jack Adams. So as you probably know, John Tortorella is a finalist for the for the Jack Adams. And let's talk about that briefly. He is a finalist along with Bruce, Bruce Cassidy of Boston. And he may not be aware of this or not, but Alan Vigneault is also a finalist. I know he's been focusing on things inside the bubble. Um, may, first of all, what do you guys think of Tortorella's standing with these three? This, this is five nominations. It would be three wins for him. Uh, joining Pat Burns is the only coach to do that. Um, but after we have this little talk, I want to I want us to each pick a person from the Blue Jackets coaching staff, and it could be Tortorella, that we would give Coach of the Year for just here in Columbus. Uh, Bodes, weigh in on this one first, if if you would. Uh, Torts among Cassidy and Vigneault, and then who's your pick on the Columbus coaching staff? So often this award, and it doesn't matter the sport, but I think it's certainly true in the NHL, is you know the, the coach that does the most with the least or the, the coach that uh, outpaces the preseason expectations uh, is usually the one that wins the coach of the year. Uh, so it's sort of interesting because of the fact you mentioned uh, Torch's qualifications, you know, a five-time finalist, uh, now a uh, two-time, possibly three-time winner by uh, tomorrow night. Uh, it just goes to show, you know, he's 14th, I think, all-time in NHL, you know, victories among coaches. So uh, it, it's funny to see a guy like this, you know, you almost have to say outpace expectations to win this award, but it also goes to show, you know, this isn't his first rodeo as far as this goes. I mean, he's deserving of probably being in the running for this award uh, pretty much every year. And there's a number of coaches that are probably the same way. I mean, you know, a guy like John Cooper, uh, it, you know, isn't in the running for this award because Tampa didn't quite have the year they had last year. But at the same, you know, he didn't, he's not a bad coach because of it. They just, right. you know, just the way that it works out. And, you know, it's, it, which is what's interesting about Bruce Cassidy actually being in the running is that he took a team that was really good and they kept being really good and he's still a finalist. Uh, so it's kind of weird how you, you do have two guys that kind of probably uh, beat expectations a little bit in Torts and Vigneault and then a guy that just was a really good coach in, in Cassidy. Uh, it, I'd be hard-pressed just being live throughout this entire season, uh, giving it to anyone but Torts uh, among those three just because of... Uh, this team was teetering so many times, and there are so many times that they could have, you know, they could have stopped believing, or they could have been the "woe is me" team. And you know, it was an incredible coaching job that he did. And I'm not sure he'll really ever get the credit for it around the league, uh, because at the end of the day, people were even going to focus on kind of the way, you know, what happened in the playoffs and uh, his press conferences and things like that, because Torts brings that upon himself. But yep. at the end of the day, this coaching job was incredible. I mean, this was a team that had all the reasons in the world to probably pack it in three or four times, and yet they always played cohesively as a unit. They always battled. Uh, they, they exceeded expectations pretty strongly based on what people thought coming into the season. So uh, I think if you check off every box as far as just, you know, not only 
you know, outpacing expectations, but just the way he did it, I would have to say Torts is the winner of that, that this award. Uh, and nothing against the other two guys who did great coaching jobs. And I think Vigneault in particular really molded that Flyers team uh, into a pretty darn good team. But it would it'd be hard for me to give it to anyone but Torts, uh, I would say, uh, from from that perspective. Uh, and if you want me to go ahead and, and you know, give it to uh, – uh, do, the, do the CBJ one as well – um, I guess it would be it would be really hard to give it to anyone but him as well. I mean, nothing against Brad Larson and Brad Shaw and, and things that those guys did. And certainly you could point to Brad Shaw uh, defensively and, and even with so many of the injuries that the defensive core had and still having them be the strength of this team throughout the season at a point where there were times they were on their ninth and 10th defensemen. Uh, he did a great job, but I, you know, this season was just vintage torts. Everything about the way this team played uh, was just built out of the, the grit and determination and passion of John Tortorella. So uh, I would have a hard time going any other direction than that, I would say, even though we're trying to even though we're trying to spice it up a bit. I, you, know, you just can't say enough, in my opinion, about the way Torts really built this team and navigated it through all the things that were put in front of it. Allison. Um, I, you know, the, the colloquialism around the league is that the Jack Adams goes to the guy with the best goaltender, right? So um, mm-hmm. I think that that's part of why um, Torts bucks that trend and makes his candidacy so valid. I do. I have most of this season considered him a candidate and ultimately the winner. Um, I think that when you look at what he did, not just on the ice, but off the ice, building a system that was replicable throughout the ranks getting his players to execute against that and staying in the playoff conversation literally almost the entire season um, is insane. And I think if he doesn't get this year's award, I think that's just a matter of visibility into this franchise. And we've talked about that before, of people not having a full understanding of what really went on here. Um, But his work was arguably the very best, I think the best of the season. And if I have to pick another CBJ coach um, after torts, uh, my, my pick, you know, Bradshaw certainly deserves a lot of credit, but I would actually go with Manny legacy. Um, I think when you look at the work he had to do with any two goaltenders, building them into potential starters, managing the relationship between two young men who both want that job and ensuring that no ego got out of, out of place, um, that the relationship built well between them two and that the competition was maintained in a constructive manner. And then finally, Knowing what we know about Elvis, and, and this is not a dig on, on the man, he's great, but his personality is strong. His sense of loyalty is strong. It takes a lot to build a degree of trust with him so that he's comfortable working with a goaltending coach. And I think to do that um, on top of everything else and also get those two guys playing at the level at which they were playing, um, again, under-noticed, under-exemplified, but he would definitely deserve recognition within the CBJ coaching staff in my eyes. Allison, I totally agree with you. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't argue your point. Anyways, you used the word "replicable" in there, which which blinded me for like twenty seconds because that's a great word we don't hear <laughs> nearly enough. Um, Manny Legacy would be my nothing against Torts, but as you said, it's a, this is a this is a goaltender game, and Manny Legacy, my God, getting Corpusala ready to be a number one and getting Elvis Merzlikens, perhaps the bigger challenge, um, acclimated to playing in the smaller rinks, the quicker style shots of, of North America, huge, huge, uh, effort there. Um, the, the Frank Selke trophy, this is a difficult one for me. I can't wait to pass the buck for an answer. 
um, because I don't know where the hell to go with this one, Columbus-wise. Um, the finalists are Patrice Bergeron Sean of Boston, Sean Couturier of Philadelphia, Ryan O'Reilly of St. Louis. That will be announced Thursday. Allison, who is the Columbus best pick for the Frank Selke trophy, for the best uh, defensive forward? Ready for this? Yes. Nick Foligno. Wow, really? Okay. Yep. Yep. Yes. Um, I think that if you look at where he was used in the lineup, um, and if you look at how the team produced, I mean, if we want to go into underlying metrics, we could. But if you look at how the team produced with <laughs> him on the ice and how he contributed, this, is, this isn't about individual blocks. This isn't about individual takeaways or anything like that. I think that um, Nick took on a bigger role than maybe any had expected and was a massive piece of keeping this team playing the way that they need to play. Nick Felino is my pick. Strong. Boats. Allison makes an excellent point about Nick Felino, and I think a lot of people focused on that he just didn't quite score as much as he had in the past, but I think if you looked, you know, it was the famous underlying numbers that uh, uh, Allison mentioned there, uh, he probably had a stronger season than people probably realized, but I'm going to have to go um, with Riley Nash. Of course. Uh, and I wrote Good about choice. this. I wrote about this a couple months ago. I kind of did something similar to this on, on the website and was looking at some of the numbers and just, you know, with him playing most of the season with rookies and, you know, a guy like Jacob Lilia is a 25-year-old or 26-year-old rookie, so it's kind of skewing it a little bit. But you look at the guys that he played with throughout the season. Uh, he was really counted on to be the force line center with two young guys on either side of him at, at most of the time, whether it been Eric Robinson or Alexander Texier or Emil Bemstrom. I mean, most of the season he was playing with young guys that he had to help bring along. And despite that, uh, if you look at, you know, per 60 minutes, the goals scored against him when he was on the ice, it was a very low number, one of the best in the NHL. Uh, expected goals against, also one of the best in the NHL among forwards. And I know they weren't necessarily playing against top lines in the league, uh, but for him to, to still be that good defensively while playing as many minutes as he did with a lot of young guys, I think that really speaks to uh, just the, the player he's become. And I, I think when you sign the, you know, him, uh, he was coming off a 41-point season, and there was some expectation of offense out of Riley, and he hasn't quite gotten to those numbers. Uh, but he's filled such an important role for this team that really gets undervalued. And, and I think that, that you know, hopefully this uh, shines a little value on it. And you see it in the playoffs, too. He kind of plays that playoff style. You know, he's been a better player in the playoffs each of the last two years than he was in the regular season. Uh, I think it just goes to show that, that what kind of game he plays and how important he is to this franchise. So I'm going to go rogue here a little bit because I, I I thought about Nash but I I I it's hard for me to give it to a guy who played fourth line minutes and didn't match up against top centers or top lines much of the year um I do think he had a, a probably his best year in, in Columbus or his better year in Columbus um and I didn't honestly think about Felino just because I I don't know I I maybe I am guilty of shading this towards centerman and I know mm -hmm. that's wrong and being frowned upon, but I'm going with a guy that I don't think would be in the lineup if he if he wasn't positionally perfect and didn't defend well, and that's Alexander Wenberg, who I didn't have a great year, I'll grant you. Um, that's why this, this award was so difficult for me, but I, I think Wenberg is their best defensive centerman, and I think he was pretty good at that this year. I, I, I can't give it to... Jenner and I, I think Dubois on the come, but I don't think of him as as defensively um, smart or overwhelming necessarily. 
Um, so I'm going with Winberg, although I'm not proud of that pick and I expect to take some heat for it. Um, let's take a little uh, brief break here and we'll come back. We've got to talk Lady Bing, which nobody wants to win. And then the other big ones, Calder, Hart, Norris, Vezina, uh, and even a Con Smythe Award. So we'll take a break. We'll be back on the other side. Now is the time to celebrate. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize, with a total of $3 million up for grabs this Thursday. Getting in on Thursday night's single-game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using promo code Maze, M-A-Y-S. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code M-A-Y-S will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Download the DraftKings app now and use code M-A-Y-S. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code M-A-Y-S to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code M-A-Y-S, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels the premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and includes an led light and is made with advanced skin safe trademark technology which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates you can get this trimmer inside their perfect package 3.0 which also includes manscaped crop preserver and the crop reviver a toning spray both super practical and they smell great too plus for a limited time when you order the perfect package kit you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use THEATHLETIC20, THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. Okay, now here's the award that nobody wants to to win, and I say that somewhat in jest, um, Lady Bing, uh, given to the player who is best, is, who is adjudged, love that word, to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. And the nominees this year, Nathan McKinnon of Colorado, Austin Matthews of Toronto, Ryan O'Reilly of St. Louis. Um, I'll go first with this one. I'm proud of this one. Um, my CBJ pick for this, I'm getting a little crazy here too, I think, because usually people think forward for whatever reason with this. I would give it to Zach Wierenski. Oh, that was I my think, pick. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's going to be a played, sweep then. <laughs> oh, is that right? Who played at yeah. a very high level. Um, and I just think he is. he plays the game the way that, that the forefathers intended this game to be played a clean game, a neat game. I think he stands up for his teammates just fine. Um, but it is, it is truly gentlemanly hockey. Uh, the other guy I considered for this, and maybe this is where we have our best discussion is Gustav Nyquist. Um, who I thought, I think, what do you have like 10 penalty minutes? 
Um, and I, I think he's he's plays a, in much the same way that I just described Wierenski on the blue line. Um, I think, Allison, you went first in the last one. Bodes, your thoughts on this and why Wierenski and who else you might pick? <laughs> well, the lady being is the uh, the most fun award to give out because the criteria are are so subjective. Uh, but I would I would say Zach because of the fact that I'm looking at it right now he's played 300 career NHL games and he's taken uh, 58 penalty minutes and this is a guy a defenseman that's playing big minutes against top opposition which goes to show you he plays a clean game uh, you know we we've, we've watched this team pretty intently over the last couple of years and I don't really remember ever seeing Zach Wierenski in a situation where it was like oh my can you believe that thing that Zach Wierenski just did uh, maybe in the playoffs this year there was the one hit against Toronto that was a little bit off the boards and some people were like that's a dirty hit um, I think it was in game five I forget who it was but I was like you know people on Twitter were kind of saying some things about that and I was like look Zach Wierenski I don't think has ever hit anybody dirty in his career and that is not his game at all uh, and, but he just he plays a clean game you know I don't yeah, I don't think he steps down from any challenges but considering the minutes he plays and who he's up against and the intensity of those minutes, uh, I would probably have to go with Zach just because of the way he plays the game. Uh, and I, you know, Gus is a pretty good choice. I'm looking at the stats now. He had 16 penalty minutes, so not a lot there. Okay. It, it's so it's so funny to pick this because you almost look at penalty minutes and just go, who right. who fits this nice bill guy. the most? Right. Yeah, nice guy. You know, one of those types of yeah. situations. Right. Uh, but you know, Oliver Bjorkstrand would be a guy you could almost pick. I mean, I, he's not a guy that's going to be out there, you know, playing a, a dirty game as well. But you know, Zach just fits all the qualifications for me, in my opinion. Allison. I have nothing to add other than I think, and this is not a dig on anyone oh. on this call, Oh, but oh. I am in the camp of that's growing that officials should vote for this award because we don't know who's gentlemanly. Like, we're just going by penalty minutes. That means nothing. So, um, like, if you, like, I love, like, you look at little plays of what we see from Elias Pettersson in Vancouver where he literally hits a guy, the glove comes off the opponent, and then he stops, picks up the glove, and hands it back to the opponent. Or he hits right. a guy with a puck in the face and then he stops play to make sure the guy's okay. Um, so I think that penalty minutes is a poor proxy. I think we've, we as voters have gotten lax in our evaluation and are hindered in our evaluation. Give it to the officials and let's go to the next award. We need to have a lady being analytic. Like how can we figure out like a way to figure out? Don't to, lock the analytic. Sort of, there is, no, but that's of, the thing. There isn't any. Like we don't right. know who's no, gentlemanly. Like it's yeah, a this silly This is totally thing. true. No, it, this, you're completely right. And it's a very odd thing to have writers like us vote upon, especially in a league that has become very different from it was probably 50 years ago when this award was created, where it was a much less gentlemanly game, uh, I would say. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard one to pick at this point, that's for sure. And it used to be such a, a, a um, an award of derision. It still is yes. with the old timers. Like calling guys lady, you know, Bing candidates and stuff was a shot back in the day. Um. But yeah, yeah, I don't, it's interesting. The I hadn't seen the the having officials vote on it. Um, I mean, I guess I don't judge it just by penalty minutes. I to me, it's I don't know. Warensky always strikes me as is that guy that that um, he's even expressed it post game about guys on the other side that get injured. Like he never gets too worked up on that. He always seems to keep in mind that guy that these are that these are fellow human beings playing a game. Um, oh, I agree. Like was, I agree with the choice. His, his yeah. perspective. But, yeah. Um, th this is a tougher one, and I don't know who the hell picks this one. Mark Messier Leadership Award. A superior leader within the sport and is a contributing member of society. Yeah, that's not an easy one. Um, Allison, I think it's your turn to go first. Oh, sure. Um, 
I mean, if you bring in the contributing member of society, it, I think Cam Atkinson, I think yep. that we've talked about the player as a player, but I think that what has gone unheralded as much as it should is how much he has continued to step up for Columbus, not just living here, building hockey academies to grow youth hockey, directly responding to some of the racial injustice issues that our community, our world has been facing of late, um, and also giving back in a noticeable way during the COVID uh, crisis. So this is a guy who's paying attention to what's around him outside the rink, and I think that should be acknowledged and celebrated. Excellent. Boats? And you didn't, uh, I guess you kind of uh, indirectly mentioned it there, but yeah, during the, the pandemic, the 5K that uh, Allison... What happened in the 5K? At, yeah. I mm. believe Allison had a much better time than I did <laughs> and may have may have lapped me once or perhaps twice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that raised, you know, $40,000 to, to go to COVID testing here in Columbus, which is a, a pretty good sum for something that just kind of sprouted up out of nowhere. So, uh, you know, he would certainly be deserving of that award. You know, you always go back to Nick Foligno, but you, the number of things he does for the community uh, is always pretty strong and also did uh, was the code the, the honorary chair I believe of the Greater Columbus Heart Walk this year so that was another uh, thing that you, you saw Nick kind of putting his time and effort into uh, and so those are yeah those two guys really I think stand out for just things that they kind of did this year uh, and so I think the the default answer would be to give it to Nick just because he's always doing those types of things but for this year I would say you know Cam probably deserves it for uh, stepping up at a time where where people kind of you know we need some people to step up in this uh, with everything thing that's gone on in 2020 cam uh cam cam did that this year yeah i'd go with cam atkinson too uh it should be noted he was the blue jackets nominee for the king clancy award which is a similar uh not entirely the leadership part but the community involvement and and uh, charitable acts word so let's get to some of the big ones now and uh, this is this will be an interesting one here in, in columbus the calder memorial trophy it goes to the player uh, selected as the most proficient in his first year of competition. Uh, the nominees are Quinn Hughes of Vancouver, Dominic Kubalik of Chicago, and Kale McCarr of Colorado. Um, the I think it's your turn, uh, Jeff Svoboda, to go first with your pick as it relates to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's sort of unfair to do this because, I mean, he's 25 years old, now 26, uh, and he's played he's a eligible. lot of professional hockey. But, yeah, I mean, you have to go with Elvis, don't you? I, you know, who knows where this team would have been, you know, especially after the Corpus Allo injury uh, without Elvis Merzlikens. And I'm looking at the list, and, you know, there's some, some good choices here and some people that really you, you're really excited to see what happens. You know, Vladislav Gavrikov is another guy that's played a lot of hockey but had a great NHL rookie season. Um, Emil Bemstrom with 10 goals. You know, Alexander Texier is a, a great-looking young player. Uh, you know, Liam Foody didn't play enough, but he's a guy that if you after the playoffs, you'd say that's the rookie you want to build around. But you have to – I mean, you have to go with Elvis. He had the biggest impact on the team. Uh, he proved – uh, that his his style and his flair and his personality can play in the NHL. Uh, he overcame that incredibly difficult start, which would have probably broken lesser goaltenders. Uh, I, I think, you know, all things considered, as much as, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily go with the obvious choice sometimes in these situations, but, I mean, you have to give it to Elvis. He was by far the most influential rookie on this team. Uh, and say, who knows where they would have been without him. Uh, and he, he saved their bacon there midway through the season. Uh, and I think deserve would, would be the deserving answer of this award would probably be a deserving finalist in a year where you didn't have two generational defensemen come into the league and a couple of, of right. really good forwards as well. Yeah, Allison? I agree. <laughs> no, I mean, Elvis, <laughs> there's not much to add. I think that what, what's, you know, the, the one add-on I'll say is 
it's the easy choice. It's the obvious choice because it's the right choice for this team. Um, and what yeah. goes unheralded is that Elvis not only did everything Jeff said, but he also faced the harder workload in terms of the shots in front of him of the two goaltenders and to respond as he did. And, and we've talked about this on the show that, you know, his start wasn't always on him. So uh, he is my choice 100%. Yeah, this is not the best year to be, as uh as Jeff said, this is not the best year to, uh, to have a great rookie year. Quinn Hughes, my God, 50, 53 points. Kale McCarr, 50 points. Dominic Kubalik, 30 goals. Those are the other guys in the running. I mean, those are numbers you just did not see, especially from rookie defensemen years ago. Um, so, you know, Elvis has, by all accounts, a fantastic, um, I mean, especially after his start, to finish with a with a 9.23 save percentage and a 2.35 goals against both top five in the league, um, that is that's incredible. After after the way that the season started, and like you said, Allison, not necessarily of his own doing that start. I mean, it took forever for him to get a win, um, but there were games in there where I I thought he played pretty well and could have won, if not in regulation, certainly in overtime. So I, Elvis gets my pick there as well. This one could get interesting. Hart Memorial Trophy, of course, the most valuable player to his team. And the three national finalists are Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan of Edmonton, Nathan McKinnon, Colorado, and old friend Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers. Um, wow, that, one, that last one hurts a touch if you're a Blue Jackets fan. Um, who's your Blue Jackets pick? Well, I guess it's my turn, so... Yeah, you I'm can going, go first, Porty. Come on, set the tone Yeah, here. no, it's, it's my turn. <laughs> I'm going to go with Seth Jones, and and I probably I, I I'm probably breaking a rule here um, because these are supposed to be regular season awards. I don't know if I would have come out of the regular season picking him. I think there's a lot of other candidates and no real clear pick here. Um, but I'm going with Seth Jones, and to me, his best argument is what happened when he wasn't there. And this team held it together and held it together and held it together. And then when he got hurt, broke his ankle, um, this thing fell to pieces. They they kept getting points out of games that they really didn't deserve, but tons of overtime losses. They went on a stretch there where it looked like it was slipping away from them. That just really rattled them. And that, to me, really strengthened and furthered the aspect of this award that many people forget. Uh, there's three there's three words at the end of the description to his team, valuable to his team. So it's not just the best player. It's also the guy um, that the team is, that's almost indispensable to his team. So I went with Seth Jones, Allison, your, your thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, you know, what we have been privileged to see um, above and beyond his contributions on ice is that you feel a sense of, of calm and leadership that he is growing into and bringing into that room, um, and particularly with the identity of this squad and what they hang their hats on, um, I think that's crucial to recognize as well. So I have zero issue naming Seth Jones as that person for the Blue Jackets. Bodes, argue with us. I will argue with you. Um, yes. And it's yeah, we need some sort of dissent here at some point. Um, yes. And and I and I did consider Seth as my choice for this one, which is funny because I, I don't know if we're I don't want to spoil it if we're getting to the CBJ Norris at some point, but I would actually pick Zach for the CBJ Norris and pick Seth for the CBJ MVP, which is a little bit of an oxymoron. 
but I think it also speaks to uh, when you talk about how valuable a player is to the team, and, and you guys kind of mentioned it there, is how they just were not the same team without Seth. But uh, at the end of the day, I would go with Oliver Bjorkstrand, and I think it's because Bjorkstrand's, I think in my opinion, um, is one of the most underrated players in the NHL uh, just because of the fact that he, you know, he's got off to slow starts before. Uh, you know, he's just not a name around the league that, that unless you're really paying attention, people probably realize how good he is. But if you look at, you know, the way that he caught fire this year, you know, had 14 goals in his last 17 games, you know, while battling injuries uh, in the middle of that stretch, uh, he was a guy that I think just became a much more complete player. You know, Torts talked about it all the time about how he was able to uh, win more battles, win more pucks. Uh, and but if you watched his game, a lot of the offense that they created when he was on the ice. Uh, was based off the fact that they were, you know, he was winning battles along the wall. He was fighting through defensemen. He was, uh, you know, able to keep the puck in the offensive zone, and they were able to cycle it and cycle it and create off of that. Uh, and so I think he drove play. You know, you look at his advanced numbers. You know, he was really good as far as those all go, as far as, uh, you know, puck possession and, and shot quality and, and just not letting the other team have the puck when the Blue Jackets were on the ice. I think if you really drill down on how good he was this year, I think he had an excellent season that people probably don't realize how good it was. Uh, and so I would have to go with Oliver uh, as my guy for the, for the CBJ Hart Trophy. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, James Norris Memorial Trophy, defensive player who demonstrates <laughs> throughout the season the greatest all-around ability at the position. We know where Jeff Sabota is here. He's got – you've got Seth Jones down? I have Zach. Uh, oh, you have Zach. Okay. Yeah, I have Zach. Gotcha. Yeah, I, already, I can go first since I already ruined this one for you. But <laughs> Yeah, your ballot's been spoiled, but go ahead. <laughs> yes, I would pick Zach because I think we talked about how uh, – Seth made it obvious how good he was by not being there. It was also similar when Zach Wierenski was injured back in November. Uh, he missed seven games with a shoulder injury, and and you know they put guys like Dean Kukin up there in his spot and things like that. And it just they just weren't the same team without Zach in a way that they weren't the same team without Seth. Uh, and so I, you add that into the fact that he leads the NHL among defensemen with 20 goals. Uh, he still played a really strong defensive game despite the fact he scored 20 goals. Uh, I would say if you look at his all-around game, uh, it, it was really darn good. And so, you know, if you asked me at this point who's overall the better player, um, I would probably say Seth Jones. But if you're asking me who I would pick for this season to give the award to, I would probably give it to Zach Rinsky because I think he had a great year. Allison. I will not fall prey to the goal smokescreen that so many NHL voters <laughs> fall prey to on this vote. And while I think this was Zach Rensky's best season, I think I'm going to go full torts here, and I'm going to agree that when we look at the ask being first and foremost defensive play, um, and you know, I've on record with this, I feel that Seth is intentionally playing the more defensive role on that pairing to allow Zach to be Zach. Um, when you watch how he can cover the ice, when you watch his puck retrieval ability, when you watch his constant focus that really is just his identity of, I am not going to let this other team play and making sure that is the core of how this group plays and executes, um, Seth Jones remains my Norris pick for this year. Not his best year, um, but I, I would, because of the core root of this question being defensive play, Seth Jones is my pick. And I'm going with Seth Jones too. I couldn't. I, I could not. I could not defend a ballot on which he's the most valuable player, but not the best defenseman. <laughs> um, so I'll just leave it at that. Vezina Trophy Best Goaltender, the finalists: Connor Hellebuck, Winnipeg, Tuka Rask, Boston, Andre Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay. Um, CBJ pick. I've got Elvis. Um, it's again. 
That's a tough one because boy, boy Corpy was really good. I just think when Elvis was at his best this year, he played at an elite, elite level, and so I gave him, I gave him the nod, Allison. Yes, I agree, and it, it is a hard choice because you know Eunice had such a fantastic season and has been such a great individual to follow in terms of his story and his commitment to his game and to this organization. But as I mentioned before, when you look at what the workload was that each goaltender faced, um, and then not only facing that more difficult workload like Elvis did, but actually exceeding expectations to a greater degree um, than Corpusalo did, um, and the context of stepping in like he did, not only in terms of where the team was in their season at that time, but after his start, um, I think that showed a mental fortitude that was really huge. So um, Elvis is my pick with a big nod to to Eunice Corpusalo, of course. Boats. Yeah, and I'd, I'd have to I'd have to pretty much echo everything you guys said. I think you have to go with Elvis, and it does not do anything to diminish how good Corpy was, and uh, certainly the way he played in the playoffs. I know this doesn't go into consideration, but uh, it was such a great story to see a guy who had worked so hard and worked so hard and kind of been the backup and kind of been really overlooked by so many people. For him to have the playoff performance that he did, I think, was a really great story, and so many people root for the guy that know him. Uh, so I hate to, to kind of follow in the footsteps and kind of leave him a little bit underappreciated, perhaps. But, yeah, just just I think Elvis had a better season. They played about the same number of games, and Elvis's numbers, uh, I think, were better. And they both stepped up and showed they can carry the load at certain times. But I think this team really played its best hockey in that January to, to February stretch when Elvis was uh, the guy. Um, and he really stole them some games. He had that great stretch there in January where he kind of took off. Uh, I, I just think that you know I, I'd have to go with Elvis because you know, at his best I think he's a, a, just a smidge better, which is nothing against Corpy. I just think it's a, it's a credit to Elvis and just how athletic he is and how unique a player he is and the personality he has and the, the, the love of the spotlight that he has. I think he's a guy uh, that that really uh, he he's got a lot to a lot to like and it's gonna be really fun watching him play hockey over the next couple of years. So this last award, the Conn Smythe Award, of course, goes to the best player in the playoffs. The Blue Jackets have no hope of winning that as they were out in the first round after winning a qualifying series against uh, Toronto. They lost to Tampa Bay. You all know that. Um, but we're going to pick who was their best playoff performer. And this is kind of how I I make my way back to the goalie end of the room without getting a sneer from Corpy. I'm going to give it to... Jonas Corpusalo, while yep. Merzlikens yep. was their best goaltender, I think Corpusalo was their best player in the playoffs. 941 save percentage, two shutouts. Tell me I'm wrong. Allison? I unfortunately cannot tell you you're wrong. He exceeded <laughs> He exceeded his play. He was on another level. I fear that that's maybe not the level he maintains for forever. Um, but he was the difference maker more often than not compared to the other skaters on the ice. Jonas Corpusalo, hands down. Excellent. Votes. Yeah, I mean, the answer almost has to be Corpy. And, and I talked about that kind of already about how great a story it was and how cool it was to see him have the success that he had. And it really was. Again, this is a guy, I don't think people who don't pay attention to the Blue Jackets realize how well-liked you know, Eunice is around the team um, and, and around uh, the, the locker room especially uh, and what he's gone through to kind of get to the position he's in. Uh, it was a really neat story to see him, you know, have the success that he had and it was well-deserved. Uh, and he was one of those goalies that, you know, you, you have to have a goalie kind of play out of their mind to have a chance to win playoff series. And, and he gave the Blue Jackets that opportunity. I, I considered going with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois for this pick just sure. because I think he turned some heads, especially uh, that Game 4 performance or Game 3 performance against Toronto. Uh, 
uh, turned some heads around the league, and I think he had a really good playoff, and I think he needed to have a really good playoff uh, to just kind of, after the slump that he was in at the end of the regular season, to kind of uh, reassert the kind of player that, that he can be. And I'm very curious to see where his career goes from here. Uh, and I think he, this was a, a playoff run that he kind of had to have. And so he, would, he was the other guy I considered going with, but on the whole, I mean, you have to go with Corpy. Well, that was fun, guys. A sort of an off-season uh, twist on things. The awards are coming out this week. Those are our thoughts on on the Blue Jackets who deserve those awards. Feel free to share your own. Well, um, my question is, who wins Beat Writer of the Year? I think we have to make a new uh, an honor here. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't think we want to open that up to public voting, or at least some of us don't. <laughs> that is, Respond that's a good in point. the comments. Respond who in the knows comments. Where the, who knows where that could go? Jeff Svoboda, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, Allison Lucan, always a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you all later in the week. Thanks so much.